We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It is the aftermath episode of the Mile High Huddle podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. And with me, as always, my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, as we, uh, you know, we had a night to sleep on how yesterday's game in LA went some time to see how some of the storylines have evolved and developed specifically the injury or shall I say um, physical condition heart condition of one Quinn Miners Sean Payton did address it oh so briefly he just cringes man like yeah you ask Sean Payton about an injury and he'll let you know quickly uh, this is not something I talk about but he does have to at least take the question. So what did he say today? Yeah, basically Quinn Miners left yesterday's game uh, after experiencing an irregular heartbeat. He was hospitalized overnight as a precautionary measure in Los Angeles. He flew back to Denver today. Sean Payton said he's going to be all right, and he thinks that he'll be good to go for Saturday's game in Detroit. But the beauty part is Quinn Miner is all pro caliber talent, Chad. What I was pleased with is when he left the game, Luke Wattenberg stepped up with authority, and I was very impressed by him stepping in and uh, holding it down against a pretty tough Chargers front. Uh, it's funny you bring that up because today as I was reading uh, Eric Trickle's grades article from the game, he had a mention of uh, Wattenberg relieving uh minors let me see if i can find it real quick here it is uh he said uh on the subject of uh wattenberg he gave him a a a plus grade you guys can go read it but was it a great grade no but it was like a plus meaning he, he he did well but here's what he said zach there was a concern this is trickle writing quote there was a concern when quinn miners was ruled out of the game but wattenberg did well in his place there was a noticeable drop off due to how excellent miners has been this season but Wattenberg looked more than serviceable out there. So definitely an encouraging development, Zach, because, you know, the interior depth, I mean, O-line depth in the NFL is a thing, period. But for the Broncos, uh, specifically at the interior, that's been a concern as some of the recent moves and um, draft picks didn't pan out. I mean, Natani Muti no longer in Denver and all that stuff. You need Wattenberg. Uh, You need uh, 
Oh, don't brain fart the seventh round rookie out Forsyth. of Forsyth. You need these guys to pan out. Yeah, I was going to say, we've been begging for years for Denver to have some young offensive linemen uh, they can build around and hopefully take over in the future. Quinn Miners isn't going anywhere. I mean, he's going to be the starting right guard, perennial pro ball player for many years, but it's nice that Wattenberg, I mean, like Trickle said, there was a drop off because Miners is playing at such a high level. I didn't expect Wattenberg to look like him, but he wasn't as bad either, Chad, as I thought he might be stepping in. Shout out to Dylan, reminding everybody to hit the like button, share it on all platforms, subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, really excited for some cool things coming Dylan's way that everybody in the MHH community is going to benefit from. We look forward to that exciting announcement in the not-too-distant future. Ronk, we got the Ronk in the house. What's up, bro? So good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Um, it's been really cool to – Zach, I wanted to talk about this because – Listening to the, you know, we get access to the conference calls. Um, the Broncos PR department is kind enough to give guys like Zach and I access to these calls and participate. And uh, it's really interesting, Zach, to see how the conversation as far as, you know, local press, the idea, and we're get, we've been guilty of this as well. It wasn't really till last yesterday that it's what I'm about to say starts kind of dawning on you and like, uh, impacting the conversation, but local press, the idea, the focus is kind of more around, Hey, Sean, you know, a uh, five game win streak, quick setback, but then you win another one, you know, it's been a great six and one st uh, stretch, etc. How are you feel? Are you paying attention to how tight this AFC wildcard race is? And he's like, actually, no, no, we're focused on the division, dude. We're focused on the division. And I just love that. I mean, They've been lucky, Zach, that the Chiefs have been in a little bit of a mini slump and all that, but I love the way that has changed. You know, that's on the table for the Broncos entering week 15 of the season. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs' schedule over the final uh, uh, quarter of the year is pretty favorable for them, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. They lose a couple more or one game and the Broncos win out. It's not a stretch to me, Chad, to say the Broncos can go at 11 and 6. It's definitely doable. It's not uh, hyperbolic or hyperbolic, excuse me. It's not homeristic to think that. And if it breaks a certain way, you might be talking about the Broncos from 1 and 5, from 70 to 20 as AFC West divisional champions. I'm, I'm so happy Sean Payton has that mindset to go for the gusto and not settle for anything less. Big Earn, shout out to you, my friend. Uh, good to see you. Good to see uh, Albert in the hizzy. Give our best to your awesome wife, Michelle. Shout out to Pearl on Facebook. Uh, Michaela Israel in the house. Uh, we the Ronk, of course, and of course we got some uh, we got some prayers up for Michaela and her little man Coop. Uh, just some send some positive vibes their way as she talks about here in this comment struggling so we're in denver getting him to carry needs we live in a rural community so they don't have the same care out there so um michaela knows that anything we can do to help we're here to help um but our thoughts and prayers are with you and the little man and we know that it's gonna it's gonna be all right um there is one here too that i wanted to grab interesting topic i saw a headline today zach that the russell wilson celebrating two wins Right, getting the victory over the Chargers, and then he and his wife Sierra having uh, welcome welcoming their new baby girl. I apologize to the Wilsons if I botched this. Amora, 
Princess Wilson today. Thank you for that reminder, Mike. But uh, yeah, kind of a nice 24-hour swing there for Russ, Zach. And I'm sure his critics will criticize him for having his baby in season chat. But on a serious note, congrats to Russell Wilson, Sierra, their family. It's uh, always a, a happy, wonderful time. A couple other quick shout outs here. I see the Papa Bear, David McElrath, jumping in early. Good to see you, brother, holding down the fort. Uh, Kevin, Woofy, the early birds, David. So good to see all you guys. We have a super chat here from Josh Ross jumping in early. Very appreciative. Thank you for breaking the ice tonight, Josh. He says, when we make the playoffs, coach of the year for Sean Payton. I think offense, the offense will still improve and clean up a bit more. Go Broncos. He's definitely in that conversation, but there is some stiff competition, Zach, this year for that, that uh, coveted coaching award, AP coach of the year. But yeah, we, we started talking about this, Zach, when they beat, uh, you know, beating the Chiefs, it was more about kind of just celebrating the streak being snapped and getting that monkey off the back. But when they went in and then beat the Bills, we started talking about, well, hey, if this becomes a thing and they push for the playoffs and they actually make the playoffs, it's going to be hard to deny Sean Payton that award. And here we are now entering week 15 and it's very much on the table. What's funny is the betting odds a few weeks ago were uh, indicating that Dan Campbell in Detroit was the favorite to win coach of the year and who the Broncos face on Saturday, Dan Campbell and the Lions. And if the Broncos take them down, uh, I don't see why Sean Payton shouldn't at least be in the running. Maybe not the favorite. There's, you know, Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen. There are some uh, uh, qualified candidates for sure, but you're talking about a team that was one in five left in the left for dead, dead in the water. And they're coming back and surging late in the season to maybe push for not just a wild card, but maybe the division, you know, it's, you can make a case that if the Broncos do get in the playoffs, Sean Payton should win coach of the year, but if they win the West, it has to be Sean Payton. I mean, has to, I don't make the rules shed. I just enforce them. Uh, I do want to talk a, about something else. Josh said in his uh, super chat, but first guys, real quick, we got to remind you that you got to make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day, just as it is here at the Jensen uh, HQ household. Uh, we seriously, Little Caesars is part of the weekly ritual for us uh, on game day. Sure. Middle of the week. Very much so. Uh, order online during our pizza pizza pregame one hour before three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday and get ready for some football and fun, you choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave, and either way, you win. You know, I mentioned, Chad, the Broncos being on Saturday night this week facing the Lions, and ain't no one want to cook on a Saturday night. So uh, I would suggest you get out and go get a Little Caesars pizza and watch the Broncos beat the Lions. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the Broncos game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, what I wanted to say, and thank you, David, Indeed. Pizza, pizza, baby. Um, what I wanted to, to say here coming off of, uh, the Josh's super chat, uh, hold tight one second, Jeremy, or else I'm going to lose this Scott. Hang tight one sec, which is when they finally figured out when, when Russ finally went, okay, it's not working with Judy and started, you know, uh, putting the ball to the guys who were going to make the most of it. Things started moving in the third quarter and beyond. You got a glimpse of really how balanced that offense can be. It was arguably Russell Wilson's best game of the year in terms of how he maneuvered the pocket. And that's, you know, that's arguable. And I would hear out anyone who would try to pick nits in that particular argument. But I'm not necessarily talking, Zach, about his numbers. I'm not talking, I'm talking about the dude having time to throw and actually mostly staying in the pocket and going through his reads and delivering the ball. And so I think there's a, a little bit of a model, a little bit of hope, I should say, that the Broncos might be kind of figuring some things out there. But it's really unfortunate. All the force feeding, the the classic overcorrection on Jerry Judy just did not pan out. Speaking of Russ, you make a really good point. Rewatching the tape from yesterday, the long touchdown to Cortland Sutton. It's amazing what happens, Chad, when Russell Wilson is protected and he steps up into the pocket, not move side to side. Best deep ball passer in the NFL, maybe in NFL history, and that was on display. I would love to see more of that downfield nature from the Broncos, but regardless of Russ's game manager role or his passing yard stats not being too overly gaudy. I mean, you're talking about a quarterback that entering week 15 or coming out of week 14, Russ ranks in the top six in the NFL in completion percentage, passing touchdowns, touchdown percentage, passer rating, and completions of 40 plus yards. So it goes back to a point that we've been hammering since the day he got here. If you give Russell Wilson time, good things will happen. And I've, I have not seen a quarterback in Denver with that much time to throw the ball since Peyton Manning. It was a wonderful sight. Dude, I wouldn't have guessed that Mike McGlinchey was going to step up and have one of his best, probably his best pass blocking day for the Bronco as a Bronco. Garrett Bowles uh, played lights out, left tackle. I mean, you, it's really hard to completely pitch a shutout, Zach, as a tackle, as an offensive tackle. And by shutout, I don't necessarily mean zero sacks. I mean, that does happen on the reg if you're an above-average tackle, but no hurries at all. Like, that's a perfect game. So it wasn't a perfect game in that sense statistically. Garrett Bowles did relinquish a couple of two, three pressures, but – I don't recall Khalil Mack, Zach, uh, being that big of a force uh, to reckon with for Denver yesterday because the tackles played so well. Uh, Phil, appreciate you, big dog, down in Tucson. Love you. He says, really great to see the offense open up a bit, and I'm hoping to see even more as the season continues. Buckham, go Broncos, MHH for life, indeed. I think, uh, you know, it's it's kind of been one of the more mysterious components to the to the season for the Broncos is 
you know, most people equate, you hear the word or the name Zach Sean Payton, you equate that with prolific, a prolific offense, right? All those years in, in New Orleans. Uh, and it just hasn't really been prolific. The only thing the Broncos have scratched at on that side of things, prolific, that word is the defense and what it's done from a takeaway perspective. And lately the sack rate as well for the Broncos. Uh, so it's been weird to, so to speak, or a little bit, uh, off, not off putting, but just different to see Sean Payton trying to figure out how to crack the code in a new city with a new quarterback and a completely new supporting cast. And I think there's a little hope here. We've seen recently, Zach, that maybe they're, he's starting to kind of figure things out and they're starting to figure uh, him out specifically Russ. Yeah. With a quarterback that was supposedly washed and irreparable. It's it's funny how good coaching can uh, make that narrative go away really quickly. You know, you mentioned Sean Payton, and you said when you think of his name, you think of a prolific offense. People also think of Bounty Gate with Sean Payton unfairly. Yeah. That's all they remember him for. Uh, they consider him a coach who the game passed him by. He doesn't have that magic anymore. But I disagree, and I'll point to one play, that Troutman touchdown against the Chargers yesterday. Sean Payton talked about that today. One of the best play designs I have seen in a Broncos game in many, many, many years. And he talked about that and said he watched the tape from last season, the Jaguars and the Chargers game, and he uh, developed that play based on the success that Jacksonville had against the same defense, Brandon Staley. When's the last time an offensive coach in Denver has broke down the film that way, game plan that way, scheme that way drew up a play that way it's so refreshing and it's more affirmation that he really is the right guy for the job well said <clears throat> pardon me jeremy good to see you tonight big dog hope you're doing well he says is it possible to have the worst defense in the league and the best defense in the league in the same season i was like making sure i wasn't reading that incorrectly no no that's what he wrote and yes you go from zach being the worst defense in the league and not just in the league but historically like what the Broncos, Nick wrote about this today in an article uh, writing up something that NFL.com said about Vance Joseph in his crazy season. But, you know, you go from a one and five start, a defense that his that was historically bad, historically meaning they were setting the ignominious type of defensive records and, and distinctions that hadn't been seen in decades and in some cases ever in the NFL to suddenly, Zach, being like the darling of the NFL relative to defense, like Denver's defense, nobody wants to see right now. And there are some other good ones in the NFL. So there's an argument to be made, Jeremy, that the Broncos defense is not currently as it is the best defense. I mean, the Browns Broncos handled them though, but still the irony here, is it possible? Yes, it is. It is possible. We're seeing it play out. I was going to say, you know, Cleveland, Dallas, there's a few teams, Jeremy, that would take umbrage to the Broncos being called the best defense, but there's uh, no argument at all. They were the worst defense, and in some uh, respects, the rushing defense, there are they are near the bottom still, but that's why you can't go by the box score or go by raw numbers and the data, because if you watch the Broncos yesterday, if you didn't know anything about football or you walk, woke up from a coma, you would say, wow, that Broncos defense is pretty damn good. They look like the aggressive nature, a lot like, not saying they are, but a lot like what we saw in 2015 under Wade Phillips. See ball, get ball, take it away, and give it back to the offense. So 
it's a sliding scale. The truth is always in the middle, Chad. Vance Joseph deserves a lot of, a lot of, a lot of credit for the turnaround, but the defense is still far from perfect. There's some areas that I would like to see cleaned up a bit more. Hey, a quick shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, to he who fathered me. Is that a, is that a word? I mean, it's father. So, I mean, he sired you. He, he sired me, this man, Mark Jensen. <laughs> Dad, love you. Good to see you tonight in the chat. Uh, this, this, uh, this question here, Michaela, for you and the little man that Pearl's saying, anything we can do to help Cooper, you know that's an open thing, and let let us know if there is something that can be done to help out, um, because we definitely definitely have concern for for uh, your little family and for the little man. So, uh, a a comment here from uh, Albert, Jerry Judy cost us too many points. If he catches those drop passes, you'd see a different offense yesterday, an offense that is confident in each other. Yeah, we we touched on this a little bit right after the game, Zach, that, you know, those three big missed opportunities. And I'll, I'll give Judy at least one thing, which is that first one where he kind of had to readjust and reorient and track the ball. And that one was the least ideal, but that – straight up go route that Russ put right in the bread basket. I mean, if you look at the images, you, you saw the game, but if you just look at the images of how that ball came down, it was another great moon ball accurately thrown. Jerry Judy had every opportunity in the world to go up and be a wide receiver and come down with that. And then of course, failing Zach with all the space you need to get two toes down or two feet down in the end zone. He's right. You're, you're probably talking about 17 points or so if not actually 21 that were left on the field because of the Judy um, failure to launch. This is why after the uh, the blow up with Steve Smith, I think it was the first Kansas City game preceded that, I was very on board with keeping Cortland Sutton and shipping away Jerry Judy, if only because his presence, be it on the field or off the field, is a detriment to the Broncos. And no no different, by the way, than when they had Frank Clark and Randy Gregory. By the way, the Broncos are 6-1 and one since moving off from them. You can't move off from Judy yet until after the season, but he's, I agree with what Albert's saying here. He wanted the ball, he complained about not getting the ball, and he's not catching the ball. We made a. We talked about this a week ago with you know talking about why wasn't Russ not throwing to Judy, and I said even if Russ targets him, can you trust him to actually catch it? And we had a YouTube comment saying, well, Judy's catch rate is better than Cortland Sutton's or comparable or whatever, but that doesn't matter when you see it with your own eyes. And like you said, Russell Wilson drops a ball into his bread basket, and you can't get both feet down. That is football one hundred and one. Wide receiver 101. It's elementary, Watson, and Jerry Judy just can't seem to master that. Heck yeah. Uh, Dylan says, Judy isn't a good receiver for Russ. Jerry's about precision and timing, while Russ is about thriving outside the pocket in chaos. This is an excellent point, and it's one, Zach, that perhaps doesn't get touched on enough because you go, oh, well, a good receiver is a good receiver. Quarterback should be able to make hay with a good receiver, period, regardless of what his kind of special you know how he wins for lack of a better term and this has been brought up a lot i think uh eric wrote about this today the way judy wins like dylan points out here it's about that precision it's about the timing and russell wilson you know the, he, the closest we've seen him come to being that kind of quarterback at least this season zach was yesterday 
But still, it's just not how he operates. He's not Drew Brees. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. If he hits the back of his foot and he's got good protection, he will hang and, and make his reads. But if there if it's a bad day at the office relative to edge pressure or interior pressure or you know he's kind of feeling heat a little bit, he almost becomes uh, – he can't perceive almost is I guess what I'm getting at here um, – anything but get out of the pocket and, and he keeps his eyes downfield. I don't take that away from Russ. Like I'm not trying to throw shade at him in the way I'm describing this, but he's a creator outside the pocket. And honestly, John Elway could win from the pocket, especially later in his career uh, as he aged, but that's what made him. Uh, you look at most of John Elway's big hall of fame highlights. It was big plays Zach being created outside the pocket. And as a wide receiver, you got to kind of either, have the traits that allow you to thrive in that situation and kind of always know that your quarterback's going to be working off script a little bit. Uh, and if you don't have that natural propensity, Zach, you got to freaking find it. And Russ and Judy, they just, to quote, uh, who was it? I think it was Mike Evans today, oil and water. Yeah, I, I agree with the point that you're making, Dylan. Uh, it never seemed like Jerry Judy was a good fit for Sean Payton's system, partly for the reasons you laid out. And historically in New Orleans, Sean Payton had the Cortland Sutton types, the uh, the Marcus Colstons, the Michael Thomases. Jerry was always kind of a, uh, a fish out of water. But on the other hand, I kind of compare him to Kadarius Toney in the sense that they're both immensely talented and the the obvious answer was, oh, he'll benefit from a change of scenery going from the Giants, a losing team, to the Chiefs, a winning team. Well, it just the light bulb hasn't clicked on even in Kansas City for Kadarius Tony. So I do think Judy and the Broncos need to part ways. I do think he needs a change of scenery, but his issues are beyond catching the football or running routes. He has an attitude problem. He has a maturity problem. And no matter where you go, unless he grows up fast, those things are going to persist and hamper what he could be at the NFL level. Uh, by the way, Sammy, Sammy, I think it's Sammy. It sounds like you're raising him right. She, she puts, my daughter is screaming, buck him. It's awesome. You just got to make sure she enunciates that B quite well, or else, you know, adults around her might mistake what she's saying. Uh, Jeremy, this is a really salient point in observation as well. He says, I don't know how precise Jerry is. He's more of a dancer who does, you know, he creates that separation, but he loses his focus at catch time, which is true. And that is one of those traits, Zach, that does separate the great NFL receivers uh, from the run of the mill and average guys, the Jags. And that's where Jerry's kind of dangerously floating right now is at the Jag kind of status, but he'll run a beautiful route, create that separation, uh, whether it's short, intermediate or deep. And when it's the catch point, somehow, some way, something happens in his focus. And that's where he, and that's when you actually need to be at your highest point of yeah. focus and your highest point of execution. So it's sadly ironic. You, Jeremy, I see what you're saying. I, I I can't speak for Dylan, but I think what he was trying to intimate, there's two types of receivers, right? I mean, there's the Cortland Sutton types who, like you said, Chad, see ball, get ball, they go up and get it, their catch point, catch radius, high pointing skills, all that are elite. Then there's the other receivers like Jerry Judy who don't really have that ability or that want to. I could only imagine what it would look like, Chad, Jerry Judy going up and trying to fight for a 50-50 ball. The odds right. would not be in his favor. But 
he also thrives when he creates that separation, when he gets that space and he shows off his footwork and he expects the ball to be right there. If not putting it on him, when he makes his cut, then throwing him open. The problem is he can do all that. It's great. You can have the perfect play. You can make the perfect throw, but when the ball comes to you, you can't do these gyrations. Like you just demonstrated, Chad, that's not how you play receiver at the NFL level. And it wouldn't be acceptable for an undrafted free agent or a seventh round pick from, but from a guy who's a veteran now, a former first round pick at some point, the light bulb has to go on. And it's kind of concerning more than kind of concerning that it hasn't yet. I like what Scott says in our uh, private chat. It's a shame that you have to say, I can only imagine what that looks like in year four, <clears throat> pardon me, of Judy being with the Broncos. And he says, I saw him go up for a 50-50 on a deep ball yesterday, went through his arms. But see, and I would argue, I would, I would uh, not, to, not to be contrarian, but I would argue that that wasn't a 50-50 ball because it was accurately thrown. A lot of times, you know, like Cortland Sutton, he goes up and gets a ball that really he doesn't have any business getting. Like it's, like two guys there hanging on him and he finds a way to come down with it. And that one in particular, the second one that Judy was unable to come down with the vertical one, that one was just a beautiful pass. Josh, this is something a lot of Broncos fans are wondering about right now, Zach. Let's answer this. Uh, we can't give a definitive answer, obviously, because we don't have a crystal ball, but he wants to know any chance Tim Patrick makes it back next year. I mean, after all, we got to just remember two straight Full seasons missed to injury, and they actually gave out his number this this year. You had another guy, another receiver wearing eighty one. Uh, uh, what's his name? The kid, the other receiver from Smith from uh, New Orleans. Anyway, um, so what's your answer? Any chance? Number one, I can only recall talking about Judy, him going up and getting a 50-50 ball one time. That was twenty twenty when Brett Rippon started that game against the Jets. And uh, he mossed the Jets cornerback, but that's about it. So again, that's an issue in terms of Tim Patrick. I think, I mean, you laid it out his injury history. I don't know what he has left or what he could contribute, but I've, my opinion, the Broncos should do right by him, give him a chance, maybe on a reduced salary for 2024 and beyond, give him a chance to come back and and, and prove his worth and, and show that he's not hampered by the injury on a full-time basis. But then again, you're keeping Cortland Sutton more than likely. I don't know what you're doing with Jerry Judy. You might trade him. You might not. You have Marvin Mims, who's looking like at least a wide receiver two of the future. As much as I love TP, I just don't know where he fits in considering the circumstances. Um, yeah, it's hard to foresee. It's hard to envision the Broncos saying, yeah, come on back, Timmy. Uh, and let's hope to Sam Hill that you can stay healthy because you're set to earn $9.5 million next year. Uh, with a cap number, Zach, for what it's worth, of $16 million. They paid him. Now, look, he did sacrifice his body, and he's gone through hell trying to uh, work back to health. So it's not like he's just been sitting on his rear end. But they paid him a lot of money uh, to rehab over the last couple of years. And so, unfortunately, those uh, pragmatic demands, financially anyway, end up coming into play. But... Um, the, I was thinking of Trey Quan Smith. He was the, the, the few snaps he's gotten when he's been elevated from the practice squad, 81. And when I saw that, I went, Ooh, that's not a, that's not a positive harbinger, you know, relative to Tim Patrick's outlook push comes to shove. I think that if his recovery, if the team believes his recovery is either on schedule or 
ahead of schedule or they, they, they bought, they're buying into whatever the doctors are saying. I think they maybe offer him to come back at a significantly reduced uh, salary. So we'll see on that. And don't forget when TP signed his contract, that was more of a team friendly deal than it was a player friendly deal. And on top of that, less than a year later, like months later, if you recall, TP restructured that contract to give the Broncos a little more salary cap flexibility. So he's been good to them. The Broncos have been good to him to give him millions. But I do think, like you mentioned, him putting his body on the line, what he's contributed to the Broncos, uh, despite the quarterback play, despite the coaching, if he can be mostly healthy, they'll give him a shot at on a reduced salary to come back and uh, hopefully get back to the pre-injury level. Fingers crossed. Um, we're at about 30 minutes, guys. We got to keep it a little bit tight tonight. Some things going on that I got to take care of some, a family, uh, birthday party thingy. So any burning topics, supers, get them in the chat and we will do our best to get to them before we dip out. But Elias on Facebook, what's the word on Nick Benito? Now, Zach, I don't know if you've heard anything, uh, since Sean Payton's, uh, conference call, but let me go ahead and read to you how he answered the following question. Yeah, coach, an update on Quinn Miners and Nick Benito. Quote, Quinn will be back today. That's really any update we have. And then he also was like, we don't talk about injuries. I'm never going to talk about injuries. So I haven't seen, Zach, any other specific scuttlebutt about him, but uh, at least bring people up to speed on the situation with Nick Benito. Yeah, he had a, a knee injury in yesterday's game. And from my understanding, he was in a knee brace, though we don't know the severity of that injury. It sounds like uh, it could be minor, though it also could keep him out for a week or two. The, don't forget the Broncos have a shorter week. They're flying out to Detroit on Friday, Sean Payton said, so the practice schedule will be a little condensed. As the week goes on, if, if Benito can be limited in practice, if he practices at all, that's a good sign for his availability. But as of right now, Monday evening, we don't know uh, anymore. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because even though <clears throat> he's kind of been a one-trick pony and more of a cleanup artist than like a true sack artist, he is leading the Broncos still in sacks. And you know what? It's It's easy, Zach, to say, you know, try and take away from a guy by saying, oh, you know, he rarely just wins off the edge. Like all those phenomenal, beautiful highlights you can probably think back in your mind's eye, Von Miller just spinning around a tackle or bull rushing a guy and getting to the queue. You know, Nick Benito, though, you do have to hand it to him. There is a knack. Maybe I wouldn't call it a talent, but a knack. It's a little bit just this side of being a talent for guys who are going to be there to clean up those situations when the opportunity arises. So you do need that. And Baron Browning, since his return, has easily been this team's most impactful edge rusher. Uh, but for whatever reason, the, the production's not really coming out in the wash for Browning quite yet. He's getting a lot of pressures, and I guess that is a production in and of itself. It affects the game. It affects the quarterback. But Benito still leads the way uh, for, this, for the sack lead for the Broncos, followed by Jonathan Cooper, and then a few other guys, you know, kind of in the mix there. I think the best way to look at it is uh, Baron Browning is doing the dirty work and Nick Benito is benefiting from that dirty work. And yeah. though, you know, Benito him, if the Broncos were to play without him, it's not like not having Sertan or Justin Simmons, but Benito, the Broncos are a better defense with him on the field than with him, not on the field. So again, fingers crossed that he'll be okay. 
that's one of those things, guys, that, you know, like you hear us say on the show often, we don't believe in coincidences. Well, look, it's no coincidence that the Broncos defensively reached critical mass right when Baron Browning returned from injury. So, Mike, the Ronk, we appreciate you, brother. Thank you for the support, the stars, the contributions to the community, and just everything you bring to uh, MHH, my friend. We love you. We appreciate you. Uh, this is a question I also want to grab. Josh threw down a super chat also uh, earlier tonight. So this is, I think, number three for him. So good for you, big dog. Do you think P.J. Locke gets the start when Kareem is back? And this is interesting, Zach, because Sean Payton was specifically asked this question uh, earlier today in the conference call. And let me just read to you, Zach, what he said. It was more a question that was postured like this. Hey, is it going to be a challenge to figure out how to get P.J. Locke and Jackson on the field when Kareem returns, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, quote, uh, it's a good problem to have. It seems like it's still a ways away yet. In other words, deciding what to do there. We'll have to deal with it when it gets here, but I think you bring up a couple good points. Certainly, we've noticed how he's been playing, P.J., close quote. So what is your prediction, Zach, for when Kareem returns? I'm putting aside my bias, and I've resigned myself to what Kareem Jackson is. And I understand the utility for a Kareem Jackson. I understand why the coaches and the players love him, yada, yada. But this is where it bothers me. They're going to galaxy brain themselves into figuring out how to get Kareem Jackson on the field. When if you look at the tape and watch the game flow, I hate to break the, the cold hard truth here, but the Broncos defense is better with PJ Locke at safety than with Kareem Jackson at safety. PJ Locke is a better blitzer. He's better in coverage. He doesn't cost the Broncos in stupid penalties like Kareem Jackson does. He doesn't have that reputation. So the referees won't be, you know, zooming in on him and focusing on him. There, to me, if I was Vance or the defensive staff, it'd be no question at all. They brought back Kareem in the first place to be a backup or a mentor to Caden Stearns and the younger safeties. Stearns' injury kind of precipitated Kareem starting again, but now you have your young bull. You have your Caden Stearns and P.J. Locke, so revert K.J. to what he was supposed to be, and that's third string. I promise the drop-off will not happen. Yeah, this is a good question here from Scott. How many games has Kareem been out, and what is Denver's record with him when while he's been suspended? And, uh, and we could do that arithmetic if we want, but... I think that was the third game of the, the new four, or am I misremembering that? Oh, he's telling me three. Oh, Scott's got it. So the Broncos are three and five when he's on the field, four and one when he's not. Now, case closed. A coach that is as nuanced driven as Sean Payton is, that's not going to escape him, uh, nor will it the staff. So what I think you see happen is it's quite clear. P.J. Locke stays on the field and does what he does. Doesn't mean you don't use Kareem, but you are not taking P.J. Locke off the field. And, you know, there are some imperfections to, to Locke's game, the same kind of imperfections you expect to see of a relatively still young guy in the experience department. But he just – any slight lapse he might have, like on a given coverage or he doesn't play the zone quite right or whatever, he makes up for, Zach, in the form of high-impact plays – in opportune moments that affect the game. 
Yeah, and it's you can look at data or analytics or you can scratch your head until it starts to chafe, Chad. But if you just watch the, the Broncos defense, if you do cut-ups and watch the defense with Kareem Jackson and with P.J. Locke, I mean, it's glaring. It's not even subtle. It's glaring that they are better with a more athletic, younger, uh, position-flexible safety in PJ Locke. I really hope he continues to start and the Broncos don't overthink this by forcing Kareem on the field just to play him. Yeah, think of it like this. Kareem and Randy Gregory gone. They're out, right? And then you get Browning and Locke in. We say it all the time on this show. We don't believe in coincidence. Uh, KB, good to see you, big dog. He says, it's nice to see Will Lutz steady himself over the year. Yes, indeed. And I think it's been vastly more though Kenny uh just steady he had a little bit of a unsettling uh first game a little inconsistent right but from then on out he's been pretty dang clutch dude like very very impressed by what I've seen from Will Lutz and also Zach it's really refreshing to have a coaching staff in place that doesn't give in to the um tantrums thrown by a kicker who wants to try from 70 and doesn't make it wants to try from 68 doesn't make it wants to try from 65 doesn't make it uh so not to say that maybe Lutz hasn't campaigned I don't know that for sure but you know they take the points that are there they they uh take the opportunities Zach for for what they are and uh I like that it's also nice for your NFL PA rep to not be your kicker, like in the case <laughs> yeah. of, of Brandon McManus. But if you look at the stats, I actually had an article uh, last Friday that um, Broncos special teams coordinator Ben Kotwika said that Will Lutz absolutely should be in the conversation for the Pro Bowl. And he talked about there's other good kickers in the conference, Harrison Butker, he named. But I was looking at the leading vote getter at the time when I wrote that article, and it was Dustin Hopkins in Cleveland. And at that time, Will Lutz had a higher field goal percentage than Dustin Hopkins. So there is definitely a case to be made. And I want to just give him his credit. He's 92.9% Will Lutz's on field goals this season. Brandon McManus in Jacksonville is at 85.7%. So a lot of people, Chad, knocked Sean Payton for bringing in one of his guys and Will Lutz, but he has the last laugh. It turned out to be a really good move. And that seven points percentage swing does affect you in the standings because oftentimes mm-hmm. the kickers come in and it's a missed kick in the first quarter. It comes out in the wash when the chips are down in the fourth. If it's a game ceiling kick and he misses it, obviously, you know, it comes out in the wash. So uh, well said Taylor brother. Thank you for the super chat. So good to see you. So do you think Sutton one, do you think Sutton, the one-handed catch, his one-handed catch was the play of the year. Zach, what do you think? No, but I think another Cortland Sutton play is the play of the year, and that was his touchdown against the Bills, which was, according to NFL's next-gen stats, I wrote about it at the time, the most improbable completion of the next-gen era had a 3.2% completion probability. The throw to Cortland Sutton yesterday, though beautiful, had a probability of about 21.9. So great play, but if there is... Exactly. I agree with the comments Scott's saying here. I don't think it was even Sutton's best catch. If there is a pet catch of the year, it's the one against Buffalo. That is still outstanding. Uh, Phil jumping in. Is Greg Dulcich available this week? We need to draft a tight end. That uh, kind of dovetails with Keith. Good to see you, Keith. Uh, how would you rate Troutman's production as he bridged the gap until Dulcich is able to return? So those two subjects, let's tie them together. 
Uh, Zach, he got put back on IR what week? Um, well, let me do the math real quick. Hold on. While I'm doing that, talk about yeah. Dulcich, Outlook, Troutman, etc. Like seven or eight, wasn't it? I mean, I would love the Broncos. That, that was my takeaway from the Houston loss is that they are dying for an impact tight end, someone dynamic at that position to stretch the seams and give Russell Wilson a safety blanket like he kind of had in Seattle. I'm not the biggest Troutman fan, though. Like Kareem Jackson, I understand the utility of an Adam Troutman, someone that Sean Payton trusts, someone that could catch a pass if it's thrown to him. And to their credit, collectively, the touchdown they drew up yesterday where Troutman was wide open was a thing of beauty. But if Dulcich could perform, it would make the offense even better. But he's Jake Butt 2.0, Chad, in the sense that all the talent in the world, yet you can't help the team when you're constantly on the sideline. I'd like to see him shake these hamstring injuries. But then I wonder, is he going to be the next KJ Hamler and just never get over them? Yeah, it's definitely a concern, especially being traumatized by the Jake Butt situation. Uh, but here's what we know. As Scott says, Dulcich hasn't even started practicing yet. All right. Why does that matter? Well, the last game he participated in was the uh, loss in Kansas City. And I'm pretty sure that's seven games ago. So he has to miss one more week for sure, I believe, until he can even be uh, considered to, to bring up. And I'm not sure exactly when the Broncos, Zach, plan on starting his clock. We do know that it's something they're probably going to at least take a stab at though. And it could end up being a saving grace. If that hamstring holds up, you get that impact kind of player in your passing game for these last couple two, three games, you know, you end up uh, in the playoffs that can really come, come out and help you because no tape really for teams, or at least not that much anyway on Dulcich, Peyton Wilson, that whole, how he's used. He's still working off to the side, Greg Dulcich, and this is my guess, my opinion. I kind of feel like he lost the trust of Sean Payton, and he lost the trust of the Broncos coaching staff. They got him back from the hamstring injury. They got him back on time, and what did he do? He re-aggravated it and went back on IR. I don't know that Denver wants to get burned again with Greg Dulcich, so they're going to keep him off the field until he's a 1,000% ready to come back. When, when that will be, we'll have to wait and see. Guys, great conversation. Uh, we got a couple messages for you. Then we're going to dip out, so don't leave quite yet. Tremendous aftermath installment of the Mile High Huddle podcast. If you're not doing so, please give us a follow on X slash Twitter at the MHH pod. You can follow the main account at Mile High Huddle. Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, and Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, check out mhhmerch.com and get you some. If you haven't, drop us a like at facebook.com slash mile high huddle pod. You can find us on Instagram at mile underscore high underscore huddle. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you're leaving your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single month. But if anything, please heed my words subscribe like and share this video and every video you see on the mhh channel it really helps us grow and reach more broncos fans just like you a shout out to these great super chat superstars and supporters tonight before i get to the shout out though kendrick jumping in thank you brother for the super chat and i got to tell you guys every single nickel that this community puts into the pot so to speak to mhh 
we don't take it for granted. We appreciate it. It all comes out in the wash and helps us a lot. We say, ah, you know, Mike sometimes come off as a little cheeky, helping us keep the lights on. You are helping us keep the lights on. So Kendrick and everyone I'm going to name here in just a moment. Thank you. We love you. We really, really, really appreciate you. Kendrick says, my guys, how are you feeling going into week 15? Every game feels like the playoffs to me, but I love it. MHH for life. Go Broncos. State of being. Indeed, that's the uh, that's just the vibe when you get down the stretch and you're a competitively relevant team. Zach is that every game kind of takes on the uh, vibe of a playoff game, but it's especially apt and true for a team that burned all of its margin for error by starting one and five. So I'm feeling good. Um, one of the interesting components to this week 15 tilt is it's kind of the uh, pupil going up against the, the master, so to speak. And the fact that Sean Payton and uh, Dan Campbell have a long history. I mean, but as a coach player and then as a coach and assistant and all that stuff, they're close, close friends. So there will be those vibes and it will be interesting to see if, uh, you know, they can, it'll be interesting to see if Campbell is at all kind of impacted. I doubt it. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would be, but you never know these type of things. Uh, that's kind of not intimidated, but oh, what's a good word for it? Just kind of taken off his game a little bit by going, oh, I'm going against Master Splinter, to, you know, this week. You know, I got to, and maybe overthinking things or this and that. So, but I do feel good about it. Um, Obviously, our prediction, Zach, will come in on Friday in the Mile High Roundtable, but I'm feeling good about your Denver Broncos. I don't blame you, Kendrick, for it feeling like a playoff game because it pretty much is. You know, the Broncos, if there is room for error, a margin for error, it, it would be to drop a game to an NFC opponent. But right now, according to the New York Times playoff simulator, the Broncos have a 51% shot of getting into the postseason. If they beat Detroit, those odds go to, I think, 73%. If they lose to Detroit, those odds plummet to in the 30s. This is a major, major uh, mile marker for Sean Payton. It's not a crappy team. This is not going to be a gimme. It's a primetime game against a 9-4 and four Detroit squad who is very beatable. I want to see what the Broncos can – which Broncos team shows up, Chad? The Broncos team we saw in the first quarter of the season or kind of against Houston or the one that took it to Los Angeles, took it to Kansas City, took it to Buffalo, took it to Cleveland, took it to the Packers, and so on and so forth. Hey, we're going to be there for it. You love to see it. This game matters uh, just as much as uh, I love seeing uh, the the meet the parents conversation going on in the chat right now about you know milking cats and – do you drive a green car, Greg? Uh, no. Oh, because, you know, people, they say drive a green car. It's a mark of a genius. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to you guys for, for uh, bringing that up. But another especially salient shout out to a great Super Chat superstars and supporters tonight. Kendrick, Taylor, Kenny, Josh on Facebook, Phil, and The Ronk throwing down. Love you guys so much. Thank you. We'll be back, of course, Thursday to break down and preview the Lions game with a head-to-head, and we'll see what kind of news breaks between now and then. But don't forget, you got Broncos for breakfast on the bright tomorrow, followed by building the Broncos. Mile High Insiders Wednesday. We're back Thursday. Have a great start to your week, and we'll see you then. Enjoy the rest of your victory Monday, everyone. We'll see you Thursday night. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.